than to a lost world uh, because obviously we don't expect the world to live holy lives. They can't. Without the Spirit of God inside of us, none of us can live a holy life. Without the shed blood of Jesus Christ, none of us are holy. It's only through Him that we are worthy and righteous and holy and all those things that the Bible describes. And so I don't want you to hear this message and say, well, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and I'm going to go home and I'm going to work harder. Because no matter how hard you work, you can't do enough, you can't be good enough, you can't be righteous enough to ever be worthy in the sight of God. I don't want you to come in here and think, I've just got to try harder. Certainly we have a responsibility on our end. I'm not saying that we just sit back and say, God will do it all and I'll just be here for the ride. We have a responsibility to be obedient. We have a responsibility to do what God tells us to do, but we can't do that when we rely on us. You've got to get your eyes off you and get your eyes on Him. You've got to understand that the Spirit of God within you is the one that's going to strengthen you and give you the ability to do that. Now, you've got to follow Him and you've got to listen to Him, and that's your part. But don't ever try to do this thing. I love that old song, Can't Even Walk Without You Holding My Hand. We've got to depend on Him for everything. And when we depend on Him, we'll find out that He's got resources that never run out. And we will never, ever, ever exhaust the riches of Christ. So I'm going to read to you. If you can, stand with me one last time. We're going to read Proverbs 24, verses 1 through 4. And uh, then we'll get into the message this morning. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 24, Be not envious of evil men nor desire to be with them. Listen to this. Their hearts devise violence or wickedness, and their lips talk of trouble. By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Father, we again come to you just asking your word to go forth with power as we know it does. It never returns void. And so, Lord, this morning, may it touch the hearts and lives of all that hear it. May we be challenged and convicted to obey it. And, Lord, we'll give you all the thanks. Pray that you will increase and I will decrease and that you get all glory today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I want to throw out some numbers at you as we get started uh, in this message, which is titled, Holiness in Our Homes. Holiness in Our Homes. But like I said, this message is going to go beyond just our homes. For individuals, we need to live holy lives. Whether that's in our home, in our churches, out in the world, in our workplaces. When the lost and dying world looks at us and they don't see anything different, why on earth would they want what we claim to have? If we don't look any different than the world, then what exactly did Jesus do for us when we claim that He came into our lives? What exactly does it mean when the Bible says if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation, if we don't act like we're a new creation, if we don't live like we're a new creation? Something is really wrong in our lives. Now look, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. We all as believers are still going to miss the mark. Our lives are marked by repentance and confession, even as believers. We don't always get it right. But there ought to be a change in the way that we live. The difference is I used to look for opportunities to sin. My brother Jamie here, we, we've been friends since we were kids. And, and he and I have talked about this many times. It's not necessarily that, that we was going out and robbing banks and doing really horrible stuff, but in the eyes of God, the things that we did were still wicked. 
We still needed a Savior. We still needed to be delivered. And so when I, when I think about, you know, the, the holiness in our lives, God came into my life and saved me, came into Jamie's life and saved him. And, and many of you have been saved. And, and you can understand if you're truly his, the change that has taken place in your heart. You don't always get it right, but man, we want to as believers, don't we? We should want to. We should want to please Him. We should want to live for Him. We should want to obey. Now, I understand the flesh is always at war with that. And there's a battle going on constantly. But guys, we've got to strive for holiness. The Bible says, be holy for I am holy. So, it's something that we have to take serious as believers. And I want to give you some statistics that I read. These are from 2020, so this is pretty recent in a Gallup poll. We've been talking about marriage. And obviously, we know our society has changed. A lot, and it continues to change really quick. And so, again, I'm not I'm not picking necessarily on those outside of Christ because lost people are going to do lost things. They are sinners are going to sin. We understand that. In 2006, 49 percent, so almost 50 percent of couples that had children together said that being married is very important. Today, that number, which is not that long, that's only 16 years ago, now that number is all the way down to only 29% think that marriage with kids is that important. You see the shift. Marriage, this question was asked, is marriage very important to plan to spend the rest of your life together with one person? They asked that question. In 2006, 54% said yes, that's, that's very important. Now it's down to 38%. 40 years ago, 64% of the population in America was married. Since 2015, that number has never went above 50%. It's declining and declining as people live together more and more or just have multiple partners and relationships, whatever, whatever is going on in life today. 2001, 53% of people said it's morally acceptable to have a child outside of marriage. Now that number has crept up to 66%, which I was surprised was that low. I figured it had been even higher than that. Let me give you uh, an article, a portion of an article here from 2021 titled The End of Marriage in America. The End of Marriage in America. This is from a, a somewhat liberal article, so obviously this is not biased towards Christianity at all. Listen to what it says. Some of the major factors behind the long-term decline in the marriage rate have been Female education, labor force participation, women's economic independence, and gender equality. America is also experiencing growing numbers of women and men living alone as well as increasing unmarried cohabitation. He says in addition to the 15% of U.S. adults living alone, no less than one quarter of those aged 25 to 34 are living together with an unmarried partner. As we look at the breakdown of families and the breakdown of society, as the enemy attacks us in our homes, one of the things that is troubling to me, when I look at these statistics, they're not that much different between church folks and people out there. And if we're talking about holiness, if we're talking about being set apart, if we're talking about being different from the world, then on something so important as this, guys, why are we not seeing any difference? Man, that's troubling to me. And it should be troubling to you too. And here's another thing. As, as they take these polls and they ask folks about marriage and the importance of it and, and not living together, 
the highest number of people that say, yes, marriage is important, yes, we shouldn't live together, are in fact people that attend church. But that doesn't carry over into the way we live our lives. And Jesus had a lot to say about people that just give Him lip service. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It's easy to say things. You can get a parrot to say things and repeat things, but he has no idea what he's saying. And James tells us that faith without works is dead. If our faith isn't carrying over in the way that we live our lives, guys, then there's a disconnect. There's something drastically wrong where you should examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. All of us need to examine ourselves at times to see where we're at with the Lord, to see if we're following Him, to see if there's sin in our lives, to see if we're living holy. But when I look at these statistics, it's troubling to me. It really is. Because in today's society, living together has just become an acceptable thing. So many people are doing it, you can't watch a television show without seeing that or a movie, if you even watch it anymore. It's not hardly even worth turning it on anymore. But we see it so much. People around us are doing it so much. Our friends are doing it. And that pressure on us becomes a weight eventually. And if you're not careful, you're going to give in. You're going to give in. If you don't have something anchoring you, if you're not in this Word, if you're not grounded in Christ, man, when those storms come and beat against you, and you don't have that foundation, you're in trouble. You are in trouble. And so I, I thought about this and I prayed about this as I, as I got this message together about holiness and in the family and, and, and in homes and in our lives in general. And I felt like God showed me three places where the world has crept into the church and, and crept into our lives if we're honest. And, and I don't think we've noticed it so much because it's not necessarily sinful things that the world has done. Now, when, when the world comes at us with a blatantly sinful thing, it's easy to spot that. But the enemy is subtle, and he's deceptive. He's a liar. And so he'll often use attacks that we don't notice, that don't seem that bad. And I want to give you three of those this morning that I think have, have led us as people and led us as churches to let down our guards and to become more worldly than we probably even recognize. So the first one is this. I believe that society has done a lot, and the enemy has been at work behind the scenes to do this, to desensitize us. Society, number one, has desensitized us. Think about all of the things that bombard us every day. And again, I'm not saying that these things in and of themselves are bad. But sometimes we're shallow people anymore. Everybody just is, wants a quick answer. We don't want to read anything. We just want a, a quick tweet or a, just a 30-second video. Our attention spans are so short anymore that we don't dig in deep. Even when we read the Word of God, we want to read a verse and, and go on for the day and say, well, I spent my five seconds with God. I'm good. We don't, we don't dive in deep like people used to. And so think about the things that we look at constantly, all the memes that we are inundated with on social media. All of the, the videos, the, the quick, the, it used to be vines and it was reels. Now we have TikTok videos and all this stuff. These short little videos. Guys, they're funny. Many of them are anyway. But have you ever stopped to think about the message they're communicating? There's a message behind those things. It's not just a funny picture with some cute little saying. 
There is a message behind those things. We don't think deep enough to consider that. But we're bombarding ourselves day after day after day with these things. And you're taking it in subconsciously whether you realize it or not. What is it speaking to you? What is it saying to you? I think about the video games. And again, I'm not, anti, I'm not up here ranting against video games. But I'm saying that the bar continues. I remember when I was a kid, Atari had just come out. And you had this little ball that bounced back and forth about that fast. And you had this little paddle and it just beep, beep, pong, beep. And boy, we thought that was the neatest thing. But now the video games have become so realistic and so graphic. And, and you know, it, it's, it's, it's just got to be Grand Theft Auto and uh, Call of Duty. And, and you know, it, it, you have to literally see blood and guts all the time on this stuff. And I think about our entertainment. I think about the television shows and the movies that are put out now. And again, I'm of the opinion that anymore it's not even worth turning it on. But if you do watch something, I think you need to be very selective. I've, I've had this conversation, and I, please, the last thing I want to be is legalistic. But I do believe that there is a line between holiness and legalism. And anytime you preach about how you ought to live, people immediately want to get offensive and say, well, that's just legalistic. We have freedom in Christ. We have grace in Christ. We can do this and we have liberty in Christ. Yes, you do. But that doesn't mean you can go out and do anything you want to. That doesn't mean you've got to go out and watch anything you want to. Because I understand it's, it's not real. It's a television show. But you are taking things into your life that are doing something inside of you whether you realize it or not. There's things going inside of our bodies that we don't know. You, listen, we could have cancer growing right inside of us right now and have no idea until we start to get a little bit of discomfort and go to the doctor and then they do the scans and see what's going on. This Word of God scans us. It's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It searches our hearts and our thoughts. And when we are outside of the will of God, you can have stuff going on inside of you and you won't even realize it. But when you start to get in His Word and the Spirit starts to convict you, the things that you're taking in will matter to you. Because you can't watch these television shows anymore where you're not bombarded with same-sex marriage with people living together, with drug, with just recreational drug use and all kinds of stuff, let alone the blasphemy and the wickedness and the, and the language and all those things. But why am I going here? Where am I going with this? All of that stuff is working to desensitize. Because if I'm watching television, 99.9% .9 of the time, what's on television? Andy Griffith. That's about the only thing I watch anymore. <laughs> Praise God for Andy Griffith. Because it's a show that I can watch and I don't have to worry about any language. I don't have to worry about any kind of foolishness. It's just a good, wholesome show that I enjoy to watch. And that's why I watch it. And that's why I like to watch it. But I say all this to say we are being desensitized, guys. We see so much blood and violence in our video games. We see so much sex and promiscuity in our television shows, we hear so much filthy talk and language. Does it really even bother us? Like, Because here's what we say. Well, I don't do it. That, I can't control what they do, but I don't do it. But it's desensitizing us. The more we surround ourselves with that stuff, the more that we take it in, the more that it is desensitizing us to these things. Let me ask you a question, and just, just give an honest answer, and you don't have to shout it out, but... 
Do you feel like people are more cold, callous, and unkind today in our society today? My answer is yes, for sure. And I believe the Bible says that things are going to get that way. In 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5, and I'm going to give this to you from a translation that I don't normally use, but this translation is just plain, ordinary, easy to understand English, and I wanted to just bring it out that way, just so there was no confusion at all about what Paul is saying to Timothy here. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days... Now, again, I know that people have stood in pulpits for centuries and said we're in the last days. And I'm going to be just like them and say, I believe we're in the last days. Nobody knows that except the Father. But I believe that all the signs are pointing to us being in the last days. And I'm going to preach and prepare like we're in the last days. Okay? In the last days... There will be very difficult times. That word difficult literally means ferocious. We're going to live in some ferocious times. And I believe, at least in this country, we're there. For people will love only themselves and their money. Just think about this in the way that the world is today. Think about what these things are saying. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Listen to the last part. They will act religious but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. One of the worst things that you can be besides lost is to be religious and lost. Because at least when you're lost and someone comes and tells you about Jesus and tells you about sin, you're like, okay, I can get that. But have you ever tried to talk to somebody that thinks they're saved that probably isn't? It's, it's almost impossible. Because like, I know all this. I'm good. Don't worry about me. I'm fine. And you're like, well, where is the fruit? Where is the desire for holiness? You know, everything in your life is pointing to you not being a true follower of Jesus. But in your mind, you prayed some prayer or you signed some card and you think you're good just because you made a profession of faith. Listen, not everybody that makes a uh, profession is a possessor of that faith. You can come up here to this altar. I can dunk you in the water every Sunday and you can die lost. If you don't truly have this born-again experience with Christ, if you don't turn from your sins and really call upon the Lord to save you, And the evidence of that being a change in your life, a continual change the rest of your life, something's missing. Something is missing. And when I look at the world, and like I said, it's sad, but a lot of the church follows the same pattern. Marriage is really not that important. We can just live together. It's just a piece of paper. I hear all these things all the time. Marriage is not just a piece of paper, guys. It was something that originated in the mind of God in the very opening chapters of Genesis. We see God joining man and woman together to becoming one flesh. That's much more than a piece of paper. It's a covenant relationship between you and God. 
Don't enter into it if you're not serious about it. But please, don't just go out and act like you're at the buffet and have a new partner every week if you claim the name of Christ. That's not what He expects from His people at all. We live in a society today where babies are a hindrance. Babies are a blessing. The Bible says that they are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward from Him. And yet now it's a hindrance. We just go out and discard them. Got pregnant, I'll just go down and have an abortion and end the life. 60 million and counting. We continue in this society to slaughter babies for the sake of convenience. Terrible. We, we see today, you pick your gender. Whatever you want to be this week. Boy, girl, he, her, they, them. We have pronouns for everything and I'm not making fun of folks. I'm not. I'm truly not. It's, it's heartbreaking to see the way that the family unit and the man and the female have been twisted and corrupted by the sin of the world and the wickedness. And all of that stuff is put before us constantly, guys, to where, have you ever, maybe you've said this before in your life, I've said it many times, well, nothing shocks me anymore. Like, so much stuff comes at us anymore in society that like, you can read a headline and you're like, well, that doesn't really surprise me anymore. It just nothing shocks me anymore, and in a, in a way, I worry about that. But I've been desensitized, and if I'm not careful, my heart can become hard. I don't view sin the way that God views sin anymore. I don't see it as that big of a deal because everybody around me is doing it. Everything I watch is doing it. Everything I listen to says it's okay. And you got to push that stuff aside, and you got to listen to the still small voice. You've got to listen to the Word of God and what He says about it because His opinion's all that matters. That's all that matters for you as a believer. And yet, we are in a place where we have become desensitized toward the murder of babies, towards genders being changed, towards people living together. It's just become the new normal, to use the buzzword from 2021. The new normal. It's not normal. It's not normal. If God calls it a sin, it's a sin. If He calls it an abomination, it's abomination. We need to let God be the judge of how He defines those terms. So what do we do, church? How do we, how do we get ourselves out of that pattern of this desensitization? Well, number one, avoiding the things as much as possible that are causing us to live that way. But it's not enough to just remove something. We've got to replace it with something. And one of my favorite verses is Romans 12.2. Because Romans 12, 2, I believe, is a verse that tells us how we need to combat this worldly mindset, this thinking that comes into our lives. Don't be conformed. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. He says, he gives us a negative, then a positive. Do not... So this is what we shouldn't be doing. Do not be conformed to the world. J.B. Phillips in his paraphrase translates that. Don't be squeezed into its mold. Have you ever pressed something through a mold or through a die and it comes out in that same form? That's the idea. We don't want to be like the world. As believers, we shouldn't desire to be like the world. Now, are there things that are attractive out there? Sure. Sin always appears pleasant for a season. If it wasn't desirable, we wouldn't run after it. So I'm not saying it's easy to avoid because the things that make our flesh feel good 
The sinful things are attractive to us in our flesh. But Paul says, don't be conformed to that stuff. Don't be put into its mold. And then he says, here's what you need to to do. Be transformed. The Greek word there is metamorpho. It's where we get our English word metamorphosis from. You think about a caterpillar. Goes into a cocoon, comes out as something different. That's the idea. We don't want to be like the world. We want to see our minds, what we think will equate to how we live and act. We want our minds to be transformed. How? How is it to be transformed? Renewing our mind. Renewing our mind. That is to restore the image of God in us. Sin has corrupted that. All of us have sinned. We said that earlier. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Sin has deformed the image of God in us. But when we are saved, when we are born again and the Spirit comes inside of us, a process begins in our life, guys, where we are being sanctified. We are becoming more like Christ. And that comes through study of the Word, fellowship with other believers, prayer, and all these other things that He has given us to combat the world so that our minds can be renewed. We need a renewal of the mind if we're going to combat this desensitization. We need to see things as God sees them. We need to think like God thinks. Have this mind in you which is also in Christ Jesus, the book of Philippians says. How do we think? How do we relate? How do we view things? If you find yourself agreeing with the world a lot here lately, it's time to sit down and get in the Word and say, God, change my mind. Change the way that I think. If you're struggling with all sorts of wicked thoughts anymore because you've consumed things that you shouldn't consume or you've listened to things that you shouldn't listen to, if that foul talk doesn't even bother you anymore, ask God to soften your heart so that you see things the way that He sees so that that filth doesn't come into your ears and out of your mouth anymore. That it doesn't take up residence in your heart. We need to strive for holiness. It doesn't just happen. We've got to work at it. And we can't be desensitized towards these things if we want to see that happen. Number two, I believe that society has desensitized us and society has, number two, dumbed us down. Society has dumbed us down. Listen to what the prophet Hosea said in Hosea 4.6. My people are destroyed or my people perish. For lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. I, I don't want to say this in a way that comes across as just rude and mean, but I don't know how else to say it. I believe right now we are living in the most biblically illiterate time in this country has ever seen. Ever. We have more access to Bibles and study tools and all this stuff than any other time in any other culture in any other nation. And yet we know less about God's Word than ever before. And again, that is troubling to me. But we have been dumbed down to the point where we've lost all discernment. Or at least it appears to me that we have. And can I just say this to you today? Please... Don't continue to embrace everything that comes along that just claims to be Christian. I, I, it, it, I see folks, on, I don't watch it, but I see little clips on like the Emmys and the Grammys and things like that. 
And people will get up there and win awards that have just made albums that, that use filthy language every other word and blaspheme God in, in almost every song and talk about drugs and sex and everything that the Bible stands against. And they'll come up to that podium and they'll get their little, their little award and they'll stand there and say, first I'd like to thank God. And everybody says, man, did you see... Did you see so-and-so up there on the ward? He gave thanks to God. He said God. He had a cross on his neck. Isn't that nice? Does all that really matter? If your life doesn't show that you really love the one that you're talking about, I want to thank God. Well, you thank God by living a life that glorifies Him. You thank God by living an obedient life so that when people see you, they want to be like Jesus. All these folks that get up there Point to themselves. And these kids flock to it. I want to be like so-and-so. I want to be like that person, that person. But if you live for Jesus, you don't hear a lot of people saying, boy, I want to be like that person. Right? Because the things of the world pull at us. We've been so dumbed down. And church, we have got to be more discerning. We have got to be more diligent. Listen, and I'm thankful for this church because, I don't know, I probably get two or three or more texts a week from people saying, hey, what do you think about so-and-so? Have you ever watched this, this YouTube guy? Have you ever read this book? You're never bothering me when you do that. I thank God that I get those kind of texts. Because it tells me you're not just out there taking in anything that you find at the Christian bookstore you watch on YouTube. You genuinely want to make sure that what you're taking in is biblical. And I'm not saying I'm right and I'm the standard of everything. But I try to keep an ear to stuff and try to know about who's teaching what and who's saying what. And I'm thankful that you guys care about that. You should. Because it's important what you take into your life. And not everything that claims the name of Christ is Christian. It's just not. It's just not at all. 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, and I love how the King James brings it out. I think it's perfect. It says, Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It says study. That word means be diligent or exert yourself. That takes some effort. It's not going to just happen. You can't just say, God put it in there. And by osmosis, this thing's going to go into your head. It's not going to happen. You've got to get into the Word. You've got to get on your face before God and pray. Listen, if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is illumination. That means He opens your eyes. He teaches you. You can't understand the Word of God without the Spirit of God. But as a believer, you have it. And I know a lot of times people get discouraged because they say, well, I read it and I should understand all that. It doesn't work that way. Study. Exert yourself. Put some energy and effort into it. Listen, I've been, I've been in this book for years and I haven't scratched the surface there is so much in here, you're never going to learn it all. But I guarantee you won't learn anything if you don't open this thing up and get in it. We have got to understand that we have been dumbed down and we don't need to be dumbed down. We can't afford to be dumbed down. The enemy, is he doesn't even hide himself anymore. He's right out in the open and we're so biblically illiterate we can't even see it. He doesn't even need to work too hard to deceive us anymore because we swallow down anything that comes at us. You have got to be discerning and rightly divide. That means to cut straight. We have to rightly divide the Word of God. And here's one of the things that drives me crazy. I, I know there's a lot of things that drive me crazy anymore, it seems like. But 
rather than challenging folks to grow up in Christ, to become more knowledgeable, to become more holy, we just keep lowering the bar. Not just in the church, but in the world. Like, everybody gets a participation trophy now. Everybody's a winner. It doesn't matter if you show up, you're a winner, you're a winner. Everybody's a winner just for being here. At some point, we've got to stop lowering the bar. At some point, we've got to say, God sets the standard, and I'm going to strive to meet it every day. I'm not going to keep excusing things. I'm not going to keep justifying things. I'm going to press on towards the high calling. I'm not going to keep lowering things down just to make it easier for me to be lazy and to be disobedient and say, well, I did, I did the best I could. You didn't do anything. You didn't do anything. You rolled out of bed in your pajamas, got in the warm car, and made it to church. Congratulations. That's easy. I'm thankful you're here. But I'm saying that's easy in the big picture. We have got to put some effort into this thing. We have got to put some effort into becoming more like Christ. Because here's the reality, guys. I know you know this, or at least I hope you know this. The enemy wants to take your kids to hell. The enemy wants to take your spouse right straight to hell. The enemy wants broken homes. The enemy wants confused kids. The enemy wants you to feel hopeless. Breaks my heart. Every week I see some young person committing suicide. Just this week, my daughter shared with me somebody that just had graduated that she went to school with committed suicide. Man, these kids have their whole life in front of them and they feel so hopeless and so confused that they think that death is better than going another day the way things are. That's tragic. I'm not saying that suicide never happened before the last few years. But man, it's increased so much. And it's because of this desensitization and because of the dumbing down of society and because there's no natural affection anymore. People don't understand what true love is. We have redefined love to just be some vague generic term. And they don't understand what true agape love from God is. Because they may not get that at home because they only got one parent and that one parent's detached. And they don't spend any time. And they come to school and talk to Tiffany all the time. Sometimes the only people that love on them is their teacher. The only one that shows that they even care is that teacher. And that teacher is overwhelmed. She's got a room full of kids every day. And she can't meet all their needs. And she doesn't have the resources or he doesn't have the resources. It's tragic. Church, you want to start a ministry? There's a ministry for you. There's an opportunity for you. Pour into these kids. Get, let's get ourselves plugged into these local schools. And be a, an advocate with them. And a, a helper with them. And say, we want to do whatever we can to be mentors and role models and helpers and open up our church and allow these kids to come in and be loved on. Feed them if we need to feed them. Clothe them if we need to clothe them. But they need that stuff. And if they're not going to get it from us, they're sure not going to get it out there. But they'll search for things to fill that void. They'll search for things that offer them love. But it's not real love. It's just a trap. It's taking them down. And I feel like, guys... If we don't start to raise that bar back up, we're going to reach a point where it's so far down that we'll never get it back. We may already be there, I don't know. But I'm not going to give up hope. Society continues to dumb us down. We have got to be better students of the Word. Last one and I'm done. Society has divided us. Society has divided us. You see more division today, not just out there, but in these churches too. It's unreal in just the last two years, how much division has crept into the house of God. 
In 1 Corinthians 1.10, Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, speaking to believers, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Man, just reading that, you, you think, find me a church like that, Pastor. Are there any even out there anymore that all of you agree? Are you kidding me? Now listen, there's things that we're not going to agree on. But you can disagree without being disagreeable. You don't have to let everybody in the world know that you were right and they were wrong. You don't have to go and pull people on your side and, and start a riot and a split if you didn't get your way. But we live in a society today where we count our own personal wants and feelings to be above anybody else's. And it has just divided things so much. In the book of Jude, he writes these words in verses 18 and 19. He says, In the last time there will be scoffers following, listen, what are they following? Their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions. Worldly people devoid of the Spirit. When you start to make everything about you and what you want, you start to act like the world, you start to live as though you don't have the Spirit, and maybe you don't. But that's when the divisions start. That's the attitude and the Spirit behind this divisiveness. And man, oh man, we see it like never before. You've got to guard your heart against those things. We don't have to attend every argument we're invited to. You don't. Sometimes it's better to just bite your tongue, smile, and walk away. And we need to relearn how to do that. Speak the truth in love. I'm not saying that you cower and run. When there's a time to speak, you speak. Let your speech be seasoned with salt. Do it with grace. But stand on the truth. I don't care what people think. There's times when you need to speak. But there's also times when you need to remain silent. And just not argue with people. And I'm going to close with this. I'm going to be done. I've probably got myself in enough trouble, but I'm just going to close with this. Just go ahead and drive the final nail in the coffin. We have absolutely, for the last two years, allowed fear to dictate our lives. Absolutely allowed it to the point where whoever comes on the television and tells us what to do, how to do it, when to do it, buddy, we're all in. And I'm not discrediting certain people. I'm not discrediting the information that they give or don't give. But I'm just telling you, again, we've been desensitized and dumbed down. And there's so much error out there. And so much things are politicized so much. And money is the source of certain things. I don't know what to believe anymore. Honestly, other than this, I don't know what to stand on anymore. But I can tell you this. At some point, we have got to start living by faith and not allow the fear to cripple us. We have got to. <clears throat> and, and I don't want that to sound callous. I don't. But what I'm saying is, there is a world, I don't even know in the last two years how many people died and went to hell. While our churches were closed, while people stayed at home in their pajamas. Because the only place you could catch COVID the last two years was at church. 
You can't catch you can't catch COVID. I'm just being honest now. You can't catch COVID at Walmart. You can't catch COVID at Applebee's with a party of twelve sitting shoulder to shoulder next to each other. But buddy, you can come into church with three people and sit four hundred rows apart, and you're in grave danger. Now look, we had COVID to go through our church. And there were times when I felt like we needed to cancel stuff, move stuff around, and we did that. We canceled nursery and children's church. We tried to do our best to be safe. But at the end of the day, if we're not being the church, if we're not doing the things, every second passes people's dying without Christ while we're, while we're waiting to be safe again. That's all I'm saying. Don't let that stuff divide it. You do what you need to do as a believer, but please don't let fear dictate your life anymore. Be smart, be safe, be cautious, but walk in faith. If, you're, if, you know, if nothing else, pick up the phone and just call somebody and say, hey, I, I need to talk to you about Jesus. <clears throat> if you can't do the face-to-face, then call them, text them something. But let's not go into retirement for two more years. Let's not sit on the sideline for two more years while people die without Jesus. Church, we have been desensitized. Society has dumbed us down and it has divided us. And I want to ask us today, are we troubled by that? Are we bothered by that? And if your answer is yes, which I hope it is for everyone, then what are we going to do about it? If we're all in agreement that there is a problem, Houston, we have a problem, then let's do something about it. It starts collectively, but individually, for all of us to spend more time on our face before God. We have got to truly be people that are praying for God to hear from heaven and heal our land. We have got to be people that are praying for God to make us holy, to help us to be bold, to help us to be courageous. Now is not the time to live in fear any longer of what people are going to think about you or what they're going to, how they're going to respond to you guys. We've got to go out there and tell, them, tell the world about Jesus Christ and let the chips fall where they may. We've got to sow that seed, water that seed, and trust that God will give the increase. But, buddy, we've got to get out there and start doing it. We have got to start doing it. And, and I'm saying we don't, you don't have to wait on the church to start a program. Our duty here is to preach and teach you the Word of God. But you as believers, I hear this all the time, we're the church. Church is in the building. Well, if the church is in the building, that's fine. Then start going out there and being the church. You individually. Make a difference. Reach people that you can reach, that I can't reach, and vice versa. Man, we have such an opportunity. I'm not discouraged at all. I'm encouraged. I think we have a great opportunity. It's just getting God's people to see it and go after it. We've been sitting on the sidelines scared and confused, and it's time we stop. It's time we stop and say, I'm going. I'm going to go, I'm going to pray, I'm going to get in the Word, I'm going to start to take these things serious, I'm going to make church a priority so that I can come and not just come and be here, that I can serve, I can find my place, find my role, and I'm going to do something. It may be big or small, but I am going to work for the Lord. I'm going to start doing that. And God will use you. He will, I promise you. If He can use me and Jamie, we both will stand up here and say, if He can use us, He can use anybody. He can. He certainly can. And so church, I'm going to invite the praise team to come. And, and, and while, and while we're, we're getting ready to do this invitation, I simply want you to think about this. Are you really fighting for your family? Or has this dumbing down and this desensitization and this division just caused you to throw up your hands and say, well, 
I don't know what to do at this point, so I'm just not going to do anything. While your family slides farther and farther away from God, are you fighting for the things that are important to God? Are we bickering about stuff that really doesn't matter? You may win every argument you go to, but if it's about things that don't matter, what's the point? What is the point? If you're going to fight for something, fight for something that matters. Fight for something that matters. What matters is Jesus. What matters is that people know Him and are following Him and are living for Him. What matters is to see a healthy church amongst a lot of churches that aren't. The deception and the deceitfulness is like never before. And I'm not saying we're the only church in Hamilton that stands on the truth. There's some good ones out there. There sure is. But they're not as many as there used to be. And we need you. If you go to a church, even if you're just visiting here, and you go to a church that's faithful and preaches the Word of God, they need you. If it's not there, then find a church that does that, and they'll need you. But now is not the time for us to stand on the sidelines. Now is the time to say, Here I am, Lord, send me. Use me. I'm available. I'm scared. My knees are knocking, but I'll go where you send me. And if you're available, He'll use you. That's all it takes. So as we give this song of invitation, the altar is going to be open. I'll pray with you. You can come pray. Pray in your seat, whatever you need to do. But I encourage you, start today to get serious about things in your life. About living holy, following God in your family and in your life. And most of all, if you don't know Jesus, make today the day you come to Him. Let's pray. Father, we come to You today, Lord, just asking You to move in our hearts and in our lives, Lord. All of us fall short. And all of us can times can feel overwhelmed by where to even begin. But Lord, just help us to begin by acknowledging where we need to be, where we want to be, and crying out to you to say, help us, Lord. I don't want to see my family die lost. I don't want to see people that I care about be left behind. And I'm going to get on my face every day and I'm going to plead with you to save them, to change their heart. We all get discouraged when we invite people to church every week and they don't come. But don't quit. Keep inviting. Keep talking. Keep going to them. Keep showing the love of Jesus. Lord, help us to not quit, but to run our race and finish the course. Lord, help us today to be encouraged. While the world around us is a mess, we have the best news in the world to share with them. Help us to be bold and impassioned to go out and do that for Your glory. And we'll give You thanks today in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand and as we sing, softly and tenderly, if God is speaking to you today, would you come? Would you come and just talk to Him? Maybe it's been a long time since you've talked to Him. Why not make it today?